Man, them Christmas songs are a little tough to sing, ain't they? I mean, you know, even for me, it's tough to sing. But anyway, I'm glad you're here tonight. May the Lord bless you. We appreciate you choosing to come to church tonight and uh, worshiping the Lord with us. And, and it's exciting to see your face, and I appreciate you being here tonight. Uh, also, on Sunday, we have, of course, church on Christmas Day. And then we'll have a lunch together, and then we'll have church again after the lunch, and then that will end our day for Sunday. Looking forward to that. Also on Sunday, we'll be taking the Lord's Supper, and so we're looking for that as well. We take it as often as we do. We don't have just certain days we take it. We take it whenever the Lord lays in our hearts to do so, and so it'll be this Sunday, and so we're looking forward uh, to that as well. Um, also, I'd ask you tonight to pray um, this year, a prayer request for this year, is that we would see that more people would come on Wednesday and Sunday nights. Can we pray for that? As we see Sunday mornings, and we are grateful for that, uh, but uh, we, we pray that they would come back on Sunday night and on Wednesday night. And so would you all pray with me on that? I want to really just reach out to God and ask God to do something in the hearts of people. Amen. I feel like Wednesday night is one of our better nights uh, for what we get to do. We get to sing, we get to pray, we get to hear God's word, uh, we get to gather with God's people, and uh, we get to read the word of God out loud. And so we don't get to do that in other services, so we don't. Uh, but boy, I tell you, it's encouraging for that. So let's pray uh, that God will continue to build our church and, and add to the church such as should be saved. You know, he's the builder of the church. And so we're just going to be obedient to him, be faithful until God does what he needs to do. Amen. And so we're looking forward to that. All right, we're going to read the story out of Luke chapter uh, 2 here tonight, uh, the story of the birth of Christ. And so if you'd like to read that uh, tonight with us, uh, you're sure welcome to do so. Uh, there's only 52 verses. And so, and so that's a little... That's a little way, so if you want to read tonight, let's line up, and, and we'll do that together tonight as we read, as we always do on Wednesday nights, okay? All right. So it looks like there's probably 52 divided by 3. Anybody have that answer? Going once? Oh, by 4. Okay, now we're talking. That would probably be 13 verses apiece, right? Yeah, 13.2. All right, go ahead, brother. Good to see y'all tonight. We missed y'all on Sunday night. Hope the play was well. Oh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. He did a nice job. Chapter 2. And it came, you said 13? Yeah, 13. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, and all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrus was governor of Syria. Cyrus, I mean. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son 
and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Amen. Thank you. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that they heard it wondered, all, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Amen. Thank you. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms, and blessed God, and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine enemies have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one, Anna, prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age, and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God within fastings and prayers night and day. 
And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Thank you, Brian. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they were supposing him to have been in the company when a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him, they turned back to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father hath sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Was ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spoke unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto him. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Thank you. You have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. And we'll begin reading in verse 18. I want to preach tonight the wow of the virgin birth. The wow of the virgin birth. Chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto, thy, unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name here tonight. We thank you, Father, for the reading of your word. And my, what a great, great truth that we heard here this morning, God, uh, this evening. And I know that many don't believe it. God, many even religious people don't believe the virgin birth of Christ. And, and yet this evening, dear God, we read it right out of the word of God. And it's true. And God, I'm glad that it is or would not have a Savior and we would not have salvation. And so, God, we're praying tonight, Lord, that you'd open our eyes and hearts. May we be drawn to thee. God, save the lost tonight. I pray that you keep, dear God, anything and everything that might hinder the service tonight, Lord, away. I pray, Father, that you'd help us tonight to be uh, concentrating upon the Word of God and be attentive to what has to be said tonight that you might move within our hearts and lives. Thank you for all those you've gathered tonight. Bless them for it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. That story there in Luke, I preached the message one time that Jesus was lost. And uh, right there he went to Jerusalem and, and uh, his parents lost him, right? 
And so that was kind of, the, that was, I thought about that a while ago when we was reading it. Uh, but Jesus was never lost, but he was uh, found, amen. But anyway, here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and verse 23, uh, I want to kind of just talk about the virgin birth, and then on Sunday morning we'll talk about um, the, the why of the virgin birth. The why. Why did it have to be a virgin birth? Have y'all thought about that before? Why is that so? Why is that the case? Why couldn't God did something different or chose something different? Why that virgin birth? And so, but tonight we're going to talk about the wow of it. And uh, that wow is like, man, wow. Boy, a virgin birth. That's just something that you just don't hear of, right? I mean, something that's a little different than normal. It's uh, not common. Uh, it's not something tonight that you could ever go back in history and say, boy, somebody like that was born virgin. Uh, you can't ever go in the future either and say, hey, if somebody will be born of a virgin. But you can go right now to the Word of God and say that Jesus was born tonight of a, of a virgin, and that's wow. That's wow. You know, tonight my first point is this, is how large is God? How large is God? If, if God can have uh, this son, his son, Emmanuel, God with us, be born of a virgin, I would think that's a large for God. That's large. I, I think about things like, uh, verses like chapter 32 of Jeremiah, verse 17, it says, O Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out thy arm. There is nothing too hard for thee. Man, isn't God large? I mean, if nothing's too hard for God, I mean, that, that's large to me. And in my mind, in my heart tonight, I just want to worship God. I want to lift up the creator of the world and say, you're large. You're large than any other thing that we can even imagine tonight. You're bigger than all tonight. You can't be kept in a pocket. You can't be cornered in a, in a room. Uh, you can't be held down. You can't be counseled. Uh, there's nothing to be compared to you. Uh, you're just large tonight. We also think about a scripture in Jeremiah 32, 27. He says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God and of all flesh. There is, any, is there anything too hard for me? And so we find tonight, you ask that question, is there too, anything too hard for God? The answer has to be no. No, not at all. There's nothing too hard. Whatever's in your life tonight, whatever you're facing tonight, whatever the future may hold tonight, you can just say, is there anything too hard for God? And the answer is no. He's big. He's a big God. He's a large God. We also think of a verse in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. It says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. That's large tonight. That's big. That's gigantic, right? I mean, with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing, not one thing tonight is impossible. He's a large God. And uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 27, it says, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. So I'm telling you tonight that this God that we're speaking of out of this Matthew chapter 1 is a large, big, gigantic, huge God. Big. Isaiah 40, 12 says, This God who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. Uh, what, about 67% of all the world is water and he's got it in his hand. That's pretty large, amen. The Bible says of this same God, he meted out heaven with the span. The span is from the 
tip of his pinky to the tip of his thumb. That's a span, and he says, I got all of heaven right here in my hand tonight. That's pretty large for God, isn't it? We find tonight that same scripture says, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. I mean, listen, anybody tonight that can comprehend the dust of the world tonight, of the earth tonight, is pretty large. And whenever he can weigh the hills and the mountains tonight in a way of a balance tonight, uh, he you got to say he's gigantic tonight. What a big God that he is. And Isaiah 40, verse 15 says, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted are the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles of very, a very little thing tonight. So he says all the nations of the world, they're just a drop in a bucket. God's big. I mean, it's a huge God tonight when you can look at our world and look at all our nations tonight and say God says that's just a drop in a bucket. God, what a God. Aren't you glad he lives in your heart? Aren't you glad tonight that you know him as your Savior? Aren't you glad tonight that he's on the throne of your heart and he's in your life tonight? Big, huge, large God. I'm telling you, I feel secure already. I feel like, man, I could just do much of anything with this God on my side. If God be for us, who could be against us tonight? We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Boy, what a big God tonight. Isaiah 40, verse 17 says, All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him as less than nothing and vanity. And now we see that God says all the nations of all powers, all dominions, all that you have tonight in the way of money and monetary systems and, and all the religions and all the powers that they have to be out there. He says, to me, it's nothing. And not even it's nothing, but it's less than nothing. But not even less than nothing, it's vanity. It's worthless. It's useless. And to God, that's big. Isaiah 40, verse 22 says, It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Can you imagine anyone sitting on the circle of the earth? I mean, as you look at a globe tonight, you'll see that the earth is round. The Bible says that that God in which we serve, in which we know tonight, he sitteth there. <laughs> he said, and the inhabitants thereof is as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. All I can say tonight with these few verses and many more that we could bring to your attention that this God in which tonight is in Matthew chapter 1 is the God that is great and big and large and gigantic and huge. And tonight is God large. That's the question. And tonight I would say, yes, he is. Well, let's look how large he is tonight with just the virgin birth. We notice a promise that he gives in Genesis chapter 3 and in verse 15. So keep your hand there in Matthew. Turn to Genesis 3.15. Most of y'all can probably quote it tonight, but uh, let's just read it. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Eve has now, has now committed the sin of taking of that fruit. He, Adam has been the one who has been uh, sinned. And we find that uh, tonight it has come down where God's now bringing curse upon them uh, that participated with that fall of man. And we come to verse 15. It says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. 
Thy seed is the devil, and her seed is God's seed. He says, and it shall bruise thy head, and, it, and thou shalt bruise thy heel. That was a promise that God said that I'm going to bring a defeat upon this Satan. I'm going to bring a defeat upon this devil. I'm going to bring a defeat and a destruction and a ruin uh, to this enemy. And I'm going to do it by a seed that I call a her seed. Her seed. And so uh, we find a promise. He said the woman's seed will de defeat, uh, will come from a woman's seed. This defeat will come from tonight. And so he also says that the woman's seed will this, will deliver, will come from. And so two things. He said through the woman's seed will come a defeat of the enemy, and through the woman's seed will come a deliverer. Amen. A deliverer and a defeat right here in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And it's all going to come from the seed of a woman. Amen. It's going to come of a woman uh, that will bring the death blow to the devil and will bring you and I to the place of salvation tonight and rescue and deliver us from hell tonight will come through a woman. The promise. That's just a promise tonight. And then number two, I want you to notice the plan. If you would, tonight, in Matthew, back in Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Now, that verse there is Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. That was one of the questions back in our, when we had our, question uh, the other day in our in our Christmas party uh, that nobody got. So turn there tonight. The, the punishment of that tonight, you got to turn to it. Since nobody had the answer, we're going to have to be punished for that and, and go to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 and read it. And so I hate that I have to do that, but, you know, there's some things that you just have to do. Now keep your hand in Matthew, but in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, this is the plan that God was going to bring forth the promise concerning this virgin birth. He says in Isaiah 7, verse 14, he says very clearly, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now this plan was given in 701 or around 700 B.C. B.C., 700 B.C., now, we're talking about, say, let's say 2000. Let's say Jesus was born in 4 B.C. And so then we're talking about 690-some-odd years prior to the birth of Jesus that this plan was given. And the plan that God gave to the world and gave to all is this. He said, I'm going to have a virgin, and she's going to be conceived with child, and that child in her is going to be Emmanuel, God with us. That's the plan. Simple, easy, right? I mean, one verse, one plan. There's not going to be any kind of second plan or option B or, or anything else tonight. He says that's the plan. That's the promise. And uh, you can mark it down. It's going to happen. And then he tells us the place of where this plan is going to take place. And that's in Matthew uh, chapter 2. If I go back there with me. And so we're going to go back and forth here. So you stay with me tonight. Matthew chapter 2. And look there in verse 3. 
The Bible says, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor, thou shalt rule my people Israel. Here's the place. 750 B.C., this was given the place of where the plan of where the promise was going to take place. So we're talking tonight another 740 some odd years uh, before Jesus was ever born that God said there's going to be a place and that place is in Bethlehem. That's where this promise is going to be fulfilled and it's going to be fulfilled in Bethlehem. Uh, the Bible also says of uh, Rephrathah, which means tonight there's a many of Bethlehems in the world, but it's going to be of that, of that region. It's going to be of that one, of that exactly spot where Jesus will be born, will be Bethlehem. And so now we know in this big God, this huge God, this large God, he gave a promise in Genesis 3.15. He gave us a plan in Isaiah 7.14. And then he gives us a place in, in, Mac, in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Now I want you to notice the power of it. Look in Luke chapter uh, 2 with me. We just read some of this. And, but I want you to notice the power of it. We find accord number one in this power, we find the tax. A tax. So God, would you say, is he big enough to know that, that there was going to be a tax? Is God large enough to know tonight that, that he was, that this fellow here, Julius uh, was going to all of a sudden decide uh, that there's going to be a tax. And so chapter 2, verse 1, it came to pass in thence days that there went a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, isn't it kind of strange tonight that the timing of the tax? Before the tax wasn't as so, but all of a sudden now the tax is this way. All of a sudden the tax tonight is uh, the time for the tax is kind of a... Uh, Ironic, or maybe it's something like really. Uh, I mean, Julius uh, Caesar Augustus, you really think that tonight that you can just throw out this tax? Do you think you just got the power and authority uh, to throw out a tax for everybody in all the world? In that day, uh, that was the authority, that was the nation of rule, that was the power to be. And they said to everyone in all the world, He said, You are going to pay a tax. And so I wonder tonight. How in the world did he just decide to do that? Uh, well, our God's big. Our God's large tonight. Well, would you say tonight that God told him to do that? Would you say that tonight? Would you say that God said to him, Hey, listen, friend, uh, guess what you're going to do? Uh, you're going to start taxing the whole world. And the time you're going to do that is now. Right now. And guess what he did? He did exactly what God said him to do. And the, the time of the, of the tax, but the place of the tax uh, that he did, uh, we find in all the world. So all the world should be taxed. The requirement was for the tax in verse 2 and verse 3. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. And so now he made a requirement. You can't give your tax or you can't pay your tax unless you go back to where you was born. Now, I wonder tonight if 
That was just something that he decided to do. I mean, I, I, wouldn't it be that you can pay a tax, fine, but you can pay a tax anywhere you are and just send it? I mean, what's the difference tonight? What's the difference if you get money from somebody who just sends it to you or delivers it to you or that you have to go back all the way to where you were, where you lived in order to pay tax and you got to be in that city and you got to go back to the place where he said you were born in order to pay this tax. It seems inconvenient, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem to be out, outrageous? Doesn't it seem tonight that it'd be wicked and, and uh, it would be something of a, a pollution of the government there like most governments are. Matter of fact, Solomon said that all governments are polluted. And so it is tonight that we find that this tax that was before uh, Joseph and Mary uh, that was set out, put forth, the time, the place of it, the requirement of it, it just seemed like that something Seems funny with this. Never before. But all of a sudden, the tax. Number two, I know it's the tax, but I want you to notice the travel. The travel that Joseph now, there in verse 4, he says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David. Now, Joseph, tonight, is under pressure. He's under pressure by the government. He's under pressure politically. He's under pressure of paying the tax because that's what required of him. Joseph was a lover of God. Joseph was a follower of God. Joseph was going to do what's right no matter what. Amen. He's going to live for the Lord. And so as he was given that tax, as he was told that the tax is what you have to pay, but you got to go back to where you were born. He was born in Bethlehem. So he goes back to Bethlehem and the travel of that because it was pressure. Pressure. This whole thing tonight for Joseph seems to be pressure. You remember whenever he found out about Mary having been pregnant. And he said, well, I'm not going to make her a public example. Then the, Holy, then the angel of the Lord said, well, calm your, calm your roll right there. I got a plan for you. I got a plan for her. So you just do what I say. Woke up in sleep, and he said, he just did what God said. Pressure. Pressure the whole time. And so we find not only pressure here, but we find the path that he had to go from, the Bible said he had to go from the city of Nazareth unto Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, in this path, it's about 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so he had to take Mary. He had to take all that they had, all that they, they could get, and they had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, there's a problem. The problem is, is that the direct route from Nazareth to Bethlehem had to go through Samaria. Samaria is not a quiet little place. Let me show you what they did to Jesus. Turn to Luke with me, chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and Luke verse 51. The Bible says, And it came to pass that when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him. The Samaritans did not receive Jesus. The Bible says, 
because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James, John, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou, we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? I mean, it was not a real easy spot right there for those fellas. They come into Samaria, and now that same place, the way they treated Jesus, the Samaritans, is the way that you have to go in order to go to Bethlehem from Nazareth. Now, it's 70 miles tonight to go in a direct way. But in going that way, they know, and Joseph knows tonight, that he would be harassed because he's a Jew, and they don't like Jews. And so he'd be harassed. He was also in a dangerous situation. Don't know if you want to put Mary in that position. He would put himself in that position. And so go directly 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem would be a dangerous, harassing time. It would not only be dangerous and harassing, but it would be a difficult way of going. For example, it would take four days to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and they would not go, if they went through Samaria, they would probably not give them a place to stay, nowhere to stop. They know they're Jews. They would be apt to rob or apt to do something very ugly or very mean. Refuse them lodging. But an indirect path would be tonight that he would avoid Samaria. But doing that tonight would add it more miles. It would add it more time, more days, and it would add it more roads. The roads of those days were not good roads. They're not paved with concrete or paved uh, with asphalt. Uh, they wasn't tonight uh, maintained by the city. Uh, they were very rough. They were difficult. They were hard. And so the path from Nazareth to Bethlehem was tough. The pressure was on. But I notice the third thing that we need to talk about, the traveler. The Bible says in verse 5 that... Uh, of our text in chat Luke 2, he says, To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. The traveler is with child. Now, according to the scripture and the time here, she was close to having her child. Let's say she was eight months. Give her a month. All you women that are here that are mothers. Uh, that are had children before. How did you feel around eight months, eight and a half? Exciting, joyous. I mean, listen, friend, you were just excited. The ones that I know that were about eight and a half months or so, uh, they were ready for the child to be birthed. Most of them were swollen. Most of most of them were hurting. Uh, most of them were uh, having some other type of issues like maybe a blood pressure issue, maybe sugar diabetes issue, uh, maybe something uh, with the baby in a certain position and it was bringing some pain and hurt, uh, being tired, being, being just wore down, wore out. You know, hey, listen, and not only that, but being kind of grouchy, being irritable. And we understand, I do as a man, that if I had to carry a baby like that, I'd probably be worse than that. Them women are tough, boy. Them mamas are, <laughs> God knew what to do when he made them. But I can say this tonight, 
uh, that she was pregnant. And by being pregnant tonight, she was slow. How many pregnant women you know just get up and go? No, they got carried too. Slow. But not slow tonight, but as he was with her, he would have to be very careful. Right? So that she wouldn't, something wouldn't happen to the baby. It's, it's late in term here. But not careful, but she was miserable. And then she was uncomfortable. Can you imagine? She didn't have a limousine. Hey, call the limousine from Nazareth limousine. Let's move her on down the road. Oh, hey, call the limous, call the Nazareth camel. Right? Get the donkey. Can you imagine her being eight and a half and she's going 70 miles? And if they went a different route because they didn't want to go through Samaria, it would be even more than that, seven to ten days from Nazareth to Bethlehem on a donkey. I bet she was fit to be tied by time. I'm just trying to put us there tonight. We got a big God. And then that situation tonight, it was a time where the timing, the Bible says in verse 6, and it was so, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that should be delivered. Uh, unfortunately, she delivered. Is that true? Unfortunately, she did. Man, I'm sure that the idea of all of this whole thing is when they were back in Nazareth and they had all the doctors and they had all the nurses and they had it all set up. You know, we're going to have a baby in two weeks and three weeks and, and we got it all ready. We're going to have the lady come to our house. We're going to do it here. We're going to do it this time, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and we're going to eat before that. We're going to be ready and bathe and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, they've got to go on down a 7 to 10 day on a donkey. On a camel, on a mule, on an ox, however it got, they got there. And all of a sudden, she's going to have the baby in Bethlehem. Unfortunately, delivered. Is that true or false? That's false. That's false. Not unfortunately. I, I thought of this too. Maybe, luckily, she delivered. In other words, man, what? Mary, you are some lucky cat. You're a lucky gal. I mean, here you go. You get a spouse to, to oh, Joseph, and, and Joseph is saying, now I'm not going to make you a public example because now you're pregnant. Now we're engaged. Now let me, take, let me say this. Uh, they were engaged, and they never had sex. She never knew a man. That's how you do it. A lot of times you get engaged, you think getting engaged tonight gives you the right to go ahead and have sex. That's not what happened here. If you want to follow somebody, why don't you follow Mary and Joseph? How they did it. That's how you do it. Amen? Anyway, I just threw that in there. And so we, we find tonight uh, that, uh, that she, he's there, and they're there, and uh, uh, you say, boy, uh, she sure was lucky she delivered. Well, you ain't lucky. That ain't luck. Tonight, it was God, how big God was, that he would bring all this to pass and come all this here and cause that taxation to, to be done at that certain time, at that certain place. And he moved Joseph at that certain moment, and he went to that certain hours. Say it was four hours. Say it was seven hours. Say it was ten hours. Say it was 12 hours. Say it was one hour. It didn't matter tonight. There was no unfortunate, and there was no luck. 
It was the big God who made a promise back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, her seed. And then he made a plan and a path. He said, it's going to be, and, uh, and there a virgin shall have a child. And then he gave us the place. He said, it's going to be in Bethlehem in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And sure enough, a virgin had a baby in Bethlehem. That's a big God. I mean, there's a lot of going on right there. There's a lot of moving parts. But our God is big. Hey, if you're an unbeliever here tonight, I feel sorry for you. Tonight you're playing Christian life. I feel sorry for you. Tonight you say you're saved because you prayed a prayer, because you got baptized, and because you have some kind of knowledge of the Word of God tonight. And yet, friend, you don't wholly believe in the virgin birth. You ain't gave your life to the Savior who come out of that virgin birth tonight. Uh, my heart breaks for you tonight. Uh, don't be fake. You better be real with this. A big God brought all this to pass. Big God. Tonight, and I'm so glad that God in his word has given us these details. That helps me tonight to know that she was perfectly delivered. Perfectly delivered. Just like God said it would be. How big is God? How gigantic God? How huge is God? Well, in Matthew chapter 1 verse 22, it said it might be fulfilled. In Matthew chapter 2 verse 15, it says it might be fulfilled. And in Matthew 2 17, it says it was fulfilled. And then in Matthew 2, 23, it says it might be fulfilled. How large is God? Man, I'm telling you, all people was under his power. All nations was under his power. All creation was under his power. Everything and anything at his use, he would use. And he did use and can use. Tonight, you think God has changed? Do you think God tonight no longer has that type of power, no longer has that type of authority that he does have the power over people, over creation, over nations tonight, and all of his creation tonight? God still has that power as he did there in Bethlehem on that day when that virgin gave child who Jesus it was. He still has the power tonight. He's a big God. A big God. I'm so glad tonight. But I know that. I know that. Number two, not only tonight is God that big God, but I want to ask another question back in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Not only how big is God or how large is God, but how little is God. Have you thought of that before? Have you thought about how little God is? And we don't think of God in these terms, do we? We don't go around, hey, the God that I serve, he's little. You know that God that they who saved my soul, he's a little God. We don't say that. But we find here in the scripture, in this wow of the virgin birth, it took a little God. Look at this. The Bible says in verse 23 of chapter 1 of Matthew, he said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Where was God? God was in a child. That's little. Right? We look at a child tonight. We see, we see Lana, wherever she went, to, uh, she's in the nursery. We find her, and she's little. God was in a little child like that. 
I mean, how can a big old God be such a little child? i tell you something else. Think about it for just a minute. How about an embryo? Right? Little. He was an embryo. He was in there. God was in there. But let me get you a little smaller tonight. God was in the seed. The seed. Now, friend, tonight, we're none of, I don't think none of us, anybody here scientists? Anybody here tonight know all about that seed and egg and, and all that kind of stuff that goes on inside the body and, and what takes place in conception and what's required and and all that type of stuff tonight. I don't think all of anybody knows all of that kind of stuff in here tonight. But we can know this. That that seed that is required for a birth. The Bible says that, that in that seed, this God was in it. How little is God? Man, my knee didn't hurt. I ran. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, turn there with me. Luke chapter 1, verse 35, and this thought tonight, how little God is. Aren't you glad you come to church tonight? Man, I am too. I was so excited. I almost started preaching in my office before y'all even got here because I'm thinking, man, Lord, I can't hold this back no more. The Bible says in chapter, chapter 1 tonight, of Luke, verse 35, it says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing. Now, we, want to, we don't want to disrespect tonight Jesus, but we do want to say that the Holy Ghost tonight has said what was in Mary was a holy thing which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. A holy thing. And so God was in a holy thing. Man, talk about how little he is. This big old God had to get little. And while he was little, he came into this holy thing. Now, and the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 5, if you want to turn there with me, you can, just so you can keep up with the Scripture so you'll have it. I know some of you are taking notes tonight. But in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 5, the Bible says this. It says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world. When did he come in the world? Right here. Virgin birth. That's when he came into the world. It says, He saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not but a body has thou prepared me. We understand now tonight that what was within Mary, that holy thing, was a body that was prepared. A prepared body was within her, a holy thing. And God was in that. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, God with us mean that God became man. Man never becomes God. God became man. We find number two, not only God became man, but in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 5 and 6, a term there that God being 
in man. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 5 and 6. God being in man. Chapter 2 verse 5 says, And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written to the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a God, and shall rule my people Israel. God in man. Body was created by God through Mary. And God coming into the body of man. We have to understand tonight, and turn to Micah with me, would you? Because I'm going to read a last portion of that chapter uh, 2, verse 6. Uh, Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. The Bible says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel. Now I want you to read the last portion of this text. Talking about this virgin birth. He says, Whose goings forth have been from old. From everlasting. He's talking about that one tonight that's within the, the womb of Mary. He's saying to us tonight that Jesus was not born. For Jesus has always been. So God tonight was not created in the womb of Mary. What was created in the womb of Mary was a body. And in that body, God, who has been forth for everlasting, been here before anyone and everyone, will be here after everyone and anyone, God himself manifested in the flesh. The Word became flesh, and we beheld him, the glory. And tonight we find that God came into the body. Got that? God everlasting, before and after. He came little into the body that he prepared. And in that body, his name was Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. That's the virgin birth. Amen? God was little. And friend, he found himself that Jesus uh, wasn't born in Bethlehem. Jesus has always been. But Jesus, whom is God, made himself little and came into the body that was prepared for him. Little. How little is God? To fit in a little baby. Fit in the embryos, fit in the seed. But then here thirdly tonight, we'll close. Not only how large is God, how little is God, but how loyal is God. We find he predicted and fulfilled Jesus' first coming. We read that already tonight. It is clear in our hearts and minds that he predicted in the Old Testament, and we read in Matthew and in Luke that it was fulfilled. 
Exactly what Jesus, what God predicted. Right? Check. Not one thing wasn't, wasn't fulfilled. It was all fulfilled. And then with the same scriptures, he has predicted and will fulfill Jesus' second coming. We go back to Micah, if you would, with me. Micah chapter 5 and look at verse 2. And here is the prediction of his second coming. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. He says, at the last portion of that, he says, He shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel. Ruler in Israel. Now turn to Isaiah chapter 9 with me tonight and look in verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, another prophecy concerning this virgin birth. And look at this governor in which he's speaking of, this ruler. It says in verse 6 of chapter 9 of Isaiah, For unto us a child is born, and unto us, and unto us a son is given. That's the virgin birth. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord, the zeal of the Lord of a host will perform it. The governor is Jesus. We see that, right? Number two, the governor's name is wonderful. His name, who's within the virgin birth, his name is Counselor. His name is the Mighty God. His name is the Everlasting Father. His name is the Prince of Peace. That's what God has prepared a body for, and He's in that body. Yeah. We find, thirdly, the governor's kingdom. This is the... This is the I guess you'd say the promise or maybe the prediction of the second coming. He says that this kingdom that they're speaking of there in verse 7, it says, upon his kingdom to order, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. And so this kingdom, the millennial reign, and all of the rest of eternity will be Peace, order, and justice when Jesus comes. I saw. His kingdom has no end. Daniel chapter 27 says it's an everlasting kingdom forever and ever. I love reading Daniel chapter 9. It tells us that the kingdoms that will come forth are the kingdom of Babylon, the kingdom of, of uh, Medes and Persian, the kingdom of Greek, the kingdom of Rome, and the kingdom of the Antichrist. But the kingdom of the Son of God tonight will overcome all kingdoms. And His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. And I hear God is telling that to us. Now, the question tonight in his loyalty is because of the accuracy of his first coming, 
Tonight, I promise you, the rapture will be right on time. You believe that? There's loyalty involved. I tell you, number two, not only will the rapture be on time, but his return will be right on time. Revelation chapter 19. His rapture is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I tell you, thirdly, tonight, what's going to be right on time is his reign. Revelation 20, verses 1 through 6. The rain will be right on time. You see, tonight God is large, God is little, but God is loyal. And if for the first time he said Jesus was coming, and perfectly he did, I promise you the second time when Jesus comes, we'll be perfectly willed. Now tonight, it's up to you to believe that. And if you would believe that, tonight you'll be saved. And friend, you'll find in your heart, and in your life, a life like Jesus. You can't get no better than that. Wow. The virgin birth. It will control your life, your mind, your heart, and you'll never get over it. I pray you receive Jesus tonight if you're not saved. If you are saved tonight, won't we go home rejoicing? And then most shepherds did. The most wise men did. I mean, friend, you'll find even the heavenly host, they went back rejoicing. Why wouldn't you and I tonight go back rejoicing, knowing that his first coming was perfect? We know that his second coming will be perfect. And we know the reign of the millennial reign, and we know the rapture tonight is on its way. No doubts, no misunderstandings, clear and exciting. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The wow of his virgin birth. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, he says, As Jesus was taken up from you to heaven, so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. He's coming back. You know why? Because God said so. There's got to be a kingdom. Jesus is the king. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. The king of glory. Is he the king of your heart, though? Is Jesus tonight the savior of your soul? Is he the bishop tonight of your soul? Is he the captain of your salvation? Is he the mediator between man and God? Tonight, is he the one that's the rose of Sharon in the Lily Valley? See, the altogether lovely. See, tonight, the one you worship and the one you serve. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. All right. Any prayer requests tonight before we pray? Anybody? What child is this who lay to rest?
Joy! 